que do anything to you. you no, mind you, you don't look as worried as Marion did when I went out to the toilet. <laughs> I could see she's thinking, he's going home. What are we going to do? It's lovely to be here. I hope you're all well. Um, Theresa and I are delighted to be with you this morning. We've been looking forward to this weekend a great deal. And um, let's pray, shall we? Well, Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together this morning. We could be in a lot of different places. But we've chosen to be here, Lord, together and with you, because that's where we want to be, Lord. Yeah, we, we just want to be in your presence, Lord. We want to worship you. We want to just experience the power, Lord, and the love that you pour out on us. And we want to hear your word, Lord. We want to try and understand a little bit more about you. A little bit more about this life that we have and what it means, Lord, to be followers of Jesus Christ. We pray this morning, Lord, that you'll pour out your Holy Spirit on each one of us. And as was said earlier, that we'll leave here a little bit different than when we came in. A little bit closer to you. A little bit clearer about you and about our role, Lord, as we follow you on the Great Commission. So bless us, I pray, Lord. And may my words be true, Lord. Amen. I don't know, I was sitting there as we were um, praying and worshipping this morning. And I don't know if you're like me, does your mind go racing in all different directions sometimes? And sometimes what you think about is connected with what you're doing, if you like, you know. And I can remember being at the football once and I was watching a player play and someone said, I think he's the best player that Norwich has ever, that I've seen in a Norwich shirt. And I'm thinking, hmm, and my mind started racing and... Uh, I sort of looked up, because I do when I'm tend to think, and I started to look up, and I thought, no, the greatest player for me was Martin Peters when he played, you know, and, um, and then I missed the goal, <laughs> because I was so busy thinking. But nevertheless, my mind raced away, and it raced away because, into an area which was connected to what I was thinking about and what I was doing. But this morning I sat there, and it raced away somewhere entirely different. I suddenly started thinking about the Wizard of Oz. And I thought to myself, why am I thinking about the Wizard of Oz? What is this all about? Well, I know now that when that happens, it can mean one of two things. First off, I'm losing it. <laughs> or secondly, it could be the fact that God is trying to say something to me. So as I'm here in church this morning, I decided to take it that God is trying to speak to me. And then it came to me. What he was saying, and it's connected with what I want to talk to you about this morning, which is that, about heaven. Yeah? About heaven. And I was thinking about Dorothy, and I was thinking about that journey along the yellow brick road with Toto. You know, and then the woodman, and the scarecrow, and the lion, and all the adventures she had, and how she built up relationships along the way. And they had trials and troubles, and moments of great softness, and love, and fun. And she was on that road, wasn't she? And where was her destination? Come on. Where was she trying to get to? Where? The city, the Emerald City. Absolutely, the yellow brick road to the Emerald City. But, uh-uh, wrong. She was trying to get home. Her destination was actually Kansas. Yeah? Anybody ever been to Kansas? Yeah? 
Now, I, I lived in Texas, went up to Kansas once, there's nothing there. <laughs> nothing there, it just goes on for miles and miles and miles. But it has a certain charm to it. She was trying to get back to Kansas. She was on that journey and having this life experience. And yes, there was a, a goal in front of her, a goal of a city she had to get to first. But her real destination was home. Home. Have you got your new sheets with you? Where's ours, please? Got your little new sheets with you? Have a look on the back. I will get to the point in a minute, by the way. I was asked to choose a verse for this morning, and I did. And I can guarantee you now, the story of that guy I just told you about, uh, Dorothy, wasn't in my mind during the week as I chose this verse. Our citizenship is in heaven. You see, Dorothy wasn't a citizen of Oz, of the countryside, whichever kingdom it was, north, south, east or west. She wasn't a citizen of the city of Oz. She was a citizen of Kansas. Kansas, that was home. That was her destination. That's where she desperately wanted to be. That place that defined her. Defined the whole reason for her being at that moment. I want to be home, Auntie M. Can't remember the uncle's name. And we're a bit like that. We're on a journey. The road may not be yellow brick. Not copper though. You know? And we're going to meet lots of people along the way, aren't we? Have lots of good times, bad times. We're going to meet lots of people that are going to be part of our lives. We're going to have a relationship with them. And we're on a road. We're on a road to somewhere special. And that place is heaven. Because as it says, we are citizens of heaven. I love it how our country has changed over the years to think much more about we are not just British citizens, we are citizens generally. We are just citizens. And in the Christian world, we're citizens of the world. And there's a truth about that. But the reality is, it's only for now. Because our real citizenship, our real home, the real place we belong is heaven. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? And I want to talk to you this morning about heaven. And I've got a few things I'd like to share with you. Ah, I've got to get my little pencil thing here. Remember, the arrow is down, isn't it, Marion? Down. Okay, well, I won't do that just yet. But before I do that, I want to tell you another little story. There was a pastor, and he was thinking one day about heaven as he started to prepare a sermon. And he thought, oh, I can't get the hang of this this morning. It's no good. And he'd arranged to play a game of golf with a good friend of his. So he went out that afternoon, he played 18 holes. Didn't play very well, but he really enjoyed himself. And as the week went on, and he started to think about this sermon, his mind drifted again, as I just said mine did. And it drifted to the point of wondering, I wonder if there's a golf club in heaven. I wonder what it would be like. So, funny enough, he started to pray about it. Lord, just answer my question. Is there a golf club in heaven? If so, what's it going to be like? And lo and behold, a voice appeared. And it said, yes, there are golf courses in heaven. And they're the most beautiful fairways. And you'll play with the nicest people. And it'll be a great sporting game. And the pastor went, oh, marvellous. He said, I'm so thrilled. And the voice said, yes, we've got a game scheduled for you on Friday. You've got to laugh, haven't you? You have to laugh. If not, what's it all about? You've got to laugh. But you know, let's have a look at this issue of heaven. I think sometimes, for me, 
when I hear people talk about heaven, I get a little bit, sort of, not cross, but a bit miffed, I suppose, because I hear them talking about it in ways which I think, I don't recognise that. You know? There used to be a song back in the 80s, Heaven is a place on earth. I hope not. Because there's a lot of lovely places on earth, but I don't think it measures up to heaven, do you? No? And then there's people, well, me included. You know, you get a wonderful meal put in front of you. And you sit and you put your fork into it. Are you getting hungry? You know, and you put your fork into it. And you taste that first mouthful. And someone says, usually Teresa, is that all right? And you go, it's heaven. It's heaven. Well, I'm sorry, dear, it's not heaven, really. You know, but it's very nice. It's very nice. But it's not heaven. I can remember a friend of mine, Tony, and uh, he met this girl. I said, what's she like? And he went, she's heavenly. Well, my mind immediately thought she's got a couple of wings. But what does that mean? She's heavenly. Well, we all know what people are trying to say, don't we, in that? That somehow this is something extra special, something that's sublime, something that's beyond, way, way beyond the norm, is heaven. I think that's absolutely true. But I wonder how many people, including some Christians, ever really think about what heaven is and what it means to us apart from being a place somewhere off in the distant years of our life that eventually we'll end up in heaven. But what is it all about? Well, I want to share a few things with you this morning. And the first one I want to share with you is this. Heaven is a place. It's not just this idea. It's not this misty sort of kingdom which is enchanted and somehow the other, the smoke rises up like it does when rock bands come on stage, you know, and in the midst there are wonderful things out there. It's not all these airy, fairy, fantasized things. It isn't. It is a place. And it's a place just as much as New York, London or Norwich is a place. It's not New York, London or Norwich, but it is a place. I want you to be clear about that. This is not just some, oh, well, I'm going to go to heaven, uh, but uh, I don't know where it is, I don't know what it is. It exists and it is a place. And if we don't believe that, well, let's pick up your Bibles with you. Let's go back for a moment to John 14 and those first three verses. We're three times, as it says here. Uh, in my father's house there are many rooms if it not so I would have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you and if I don't prepare a place for you I will come back and take you with me so you may also be where I am you will know the way to the place where I'm going Jesus himself says three times this is a place it exists, it's tangible when you get there it's going to have substance to it but it's not going to be like anything you've experienced up till now it's going to be a lot better but it is a place. And we need to be so mindful of that, that this isn't an airy-fairy idea. And we must not, whatever happens, allow the world's idea of heaven to creep into what we know scripturally to be heaven. And this idea of a fantasy land where everything's going to be lovely, and people are going to sit around on clouds, polishing their halos and playing their harps, exists, because it's not going to be like that. We are going from this place to another place which is infinitely better, but it's real. It's real. And when we get there, we are going to be busy. We're going to be busy. That's our destination. That's what we're aimed for. Heaven is a place. I wonder what would happen if we went out onto the streets of Norwich with a megaphone and said, how many of you think you're going to heaven? What might the answer be? Some hands would go up and say, I am, I am, I'm sure of it. Let's not get into why they think that, but there'd be people who would say, yes, I'm going to heaven. 
And I'm sure you'll have some people go, a bit like this, maybe, maybe not, I'm not sure. And a few other people might be saying, well, it depends what it's like, it depends what happens to the rest of my life, maybe I might end up there. Can you hear a ringing, or is it my ears? Yeah? So, it'd be great to, be, to find out what people thought heaven was. And I'd be interested in that, but what I'm more interested in is that there's a clarity amongst my brothers and sisters, including myself, of what the Bible says to us about heaven and what it means to us today. Because we have to look at heaven in a way which is more than just that destination that we're aiming to get to sometime in the way of future. Now, of course, we don't know what life has in store for us. It could be, heaven forbid, and I don't want to be morbid, I could go tomorrow, I could be called tomorrow, and I'll be there. Well, I like to think I will. In fact, I'm sure I will be there. But it could be another 10, 15, 20 years. I don't know. But what I'm absolutely sure is that while what I do on earth today is very, very important because I've got the great commission which has been put on my life by Jesus Christ, what's equally important is why am I doing it? What's the purpose? And yes, it is to do good things for people and to bring the kingdom and to bring more people to Christ, but it's also that the path that I'm taking to get to my heavenly home is one that's fruitful. But it is a path. It's a pathway to where my citizenship really is. Does that make sense? You are citizens of heaven. You've just not got there yet. Don't forget that. You are followers of Jesus Christ. You are children of God, and in that you are citizens of heaven. That's the starting point. And we are on a journey to heaven, to that place, to that place. One thing I do know, if I was going on a long journey somewhere, I'd want to know where I was going, and I'd want to know a little bit about it. We planned on taking our caravan up to Scotland next year and we're going to pop into the Lake District, have a week there and then go up there. I don't know about you, but when I go on holiday, I find out about where I'm going. I want to know a little bit about it at least. What's the caravan site like? What is there to see in that area? Are there any midges around in Scotland that time of year? You know, here they probably are, yeah. And um, you know, I just want to know about it, don't you? So why do we sit there idle sometimes with our hands on our backsides knowing that heaven is there but not taking any time to find out about it and what it means to be on that journey to the place that we belong and how that should affect us today. How that should affect us today. So that's where I'm going to go to start with. But here's a few thoughts for you. I hope we're going to get there. When it comes to people, I include ourselves in that, as Christians, even though we have Christ in our life. There's something deep down inside human beings, I believe, that sort of cries out, there's got to be something more, don't you think? Yeah? And why I include Christians in that is because I know Christians who are lo- lo- sorry, leaning very fruitful lives. They're abundant lives and they're happy. But very often they say, but I do believe there's more. There's more. There's more. And people who don't have Jesus Christ must certainly be feeling that. I know they do because I hear them say something more than that pain or suffering that exists in so many lives today and has always done something more than as I've said the 70 or 80 years that we're going to live there must be something more than that and finally something more than just being born living and dying and then buried in the earth or however we decide that we want to be at the end there's got to be something more and there is there's the abundant life through Jesus Christ on the earth today but there is also heaven to come heaven to come. 
Now sometimes we talk about this, the God-shaped vacuum inside the human heart. God's missing from their life. I'm going to say it, and I hope she wouldn't mind if she was here. Uh, One of my daughters has drifted away a bit at the moment, and um, uh, it's just sad. There's been things that have happened in her life, but I believe that God will bring her back, and she'll come back. And uh, she's not leading a bad life. It's just that she's not at church. She's not really sort of involved. But I see sometimes in her eyes, and in her very being, that vacuum, where God used to hold a big, big place. And that's true of people who don't have Christ for definite. And there's also a heaven-shaped vacuum. This sense that actually we were meant for something more than just this. As good as this is, we were meant for something more. And we are, and in Philippians it's defined, we are meant to be citizens of heaven. I want you to be encouraged. That is a wonderful thought. We are already the citizens, but we're one day going to be there. In a real sense, we were made for heaven. Sounds quite arrogant, doesn't it? Now, Chris, what do you think your purpose is in life? Hey, man, I was made for heaven. I was just made for heaven. People must think the guy's gone crazy. But that's what God has said to me. Chris, I created you and you were made for heaven. Isn't that wonderful? I don't want anybody to walk out here today with their shoulder slope thinking that they have no value, no worth. You were created. If you were a follower of Jesus Christ, not even if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, just because you were created, you were created to be a citizen of heaven. And if you've actually taken the step to give your life to Jesus Christ, you can lift your head up and you can walk out there knowing that you're going to fulfill your destiny. Isn't that wonderful? So let's see no slopey shoulders. Alright? No moans and groans. Unless I make you tea, then you might. Okay, we are made for heaven. We are citizens. Now, I want to tackle a couple of little things here before we move on any further. But before I do that, let me share a couple of things that were said. John Thornton. Anybody heard of John Thornton? No, he's not the chocolate people. Now, John Thornton lived back in the uh, 19th century. He was a great theologian, a wonderful man, a philanthropist. Just about got that out. And he was also a mentor to John Newton, of course, a great abolitionist and hymn writer. And he said this, you must receive something of heaven into the soul before the soul can be received into heaven. What that says to me very clearly is is that though heaven is my destiny, I need to get prepared. Now the first thing that we receive into our soul is Jesus Christ himself when we give ourselves to our Lord. Yeah? That's the first thing. But there's more than that because Jesus said, now you've got me, you're also going to have an abundant life. So on that journey that we're going on, we're looking to receive into our soul something of heaven so that when we get there, we're not complete strangers to him. We're not ill-prepared. It's a bit like me and my holiday again. I go to Scotland and somebody said the midges are going to be there. Well, I'm going to be prepared, aren't I? Hopefully I'm going to take something with me to combat that. You know, wherever I'm going, I'm going to try and be prepared. Oh, it's going to be colder in Scotland than it is down in Cornwall in June. Right, then I need to take a fleece and a jumper or something with me if that's the case. I'm going to be prepared. So what Thornton is saying is you must receive something of heaven in your soul to prepare you for heaven. You can start right here. The more we take in this, the more we prepare ourselves for heaven. I'm finding that out daily daily as I get older, more so as I get older. I keep looking at the Bible now and little pearls of wisdom drop out of me. And when we're taking communion story, the story that we got told about David, I didn't know that story. I missed it somehow. Thank you for sharing that. Amazing. Amazing. 
John Thornton. Somebody else. William Barclay, a great writer and theologian, um, said this, For the Christian, heaven is where Jesus is. We do not need to speculate on what heaven will be like. It is enough to know that we will be forever with him. Can't argue with that at all. But what I love is the fact he says, we don't need to speculate. Let's not make it up. And sometimes in our house group, we've had the odd discussion about heaven. Well, I think it'll be like this, and I think it'll be like this. And I think, oh, shut up. I don't want to hear all the speculation. I want the truth. And the only place I'm going to get that is in the Scriptures. That's the definition. All this other stuff you hear about it, if it's not in the Bible, it's just somebody's made it up or they thought it would be a nice thing or whatever the case may be. It is pure speculation. You need to speculate what heaven will be. But it is enough to know, even if we don't get it all figured out, that when we get there, we're going to be with Jesus. We're going to be with Jesus. That's heaven. That's heaven. That's heaven without a shadow of a doubt. This is the idea of heaven, which we do need to negate in some people's minds. Should we give them clarity? Because it has an impact on how they live their lives today. As you leave here today, you are an, another hour into your preparation for being in heaven. Don't you need to know what that's all about? Absolutely. Well, I want to share with you three things that I can guarantee you. Absolute guarantee you. The first one is this, some basics. The most important thing is that heaven, as I've said, is a real place. Without a doubt, it's a real place. It is the Father's dwelling. It's where Jesus is. It's where all the angels are. It's where the saints are. The saints of the Old Testament and those of the New. Those who have given their lives to the Lord. I have something else to say about that if we get to it. So it's a real place. The second thing is that it is the dwelling place of God. As I've said, our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming back. But he's not coming back just to say hi. He's not coming back just to turn around and have a good time with us or help us out. What did he say? He said in John, I'm coming back to take you to the place I've prepared for you. We are going to heaven. We're going to heaven. And it's not a journey that we're going to have to make on our own. We're all going to be in it together, but Jesus is going to be with us because he's going to come back and take us there because he's already prepared the place. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing. But the third thing, and this I found quite amazing as I started to think about it, is that the Bible hints that heaven is not as far away as we might think. Now, when I said to one or two people in the past, where do you think heaven is? Oh, they said, man, it's galaxies away. What are you on? You know? It's galaxies, it's spaced out, it's way out there. We can't even begin to think where it is. All right, okay, cool. It's a long way away. That's how a lot of people think about it. Or where else do they think about it as being? Up there. Somewhere up there. You know? We know what's down there, don't we? Yeah, but it's up there. I can remember once saying to my son Tom, heaven is up there. The poor little boy spent ages like this. I mean, okay, it's it's crazy. We don't know where it is really, do we? But the Bible tells us it's much closer than you think. Let me read something to you. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 to 24, it says this, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. 
You've come home to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You see, what the writer was doing here is comparing Mount Sinai with Mount Zion. And on Mount Sinai, it was all about the Old Testament. Yeah? It was all about the Old Testament. And you were a long way away from God and a long way away from Jesus. And you have to have an intermediary and there had to be a sacrifice of blood. And you were kept at a distance. Nobody entered in the Holy of Holies, did they? Where God was dwelling. Heaven, if you like. God dwells in heaven. So the Holy of Holies is a, a version of heaven. But nobody went in there except the high priest after they went through some amazing process of purification and readiness. So it's a long way away. People, everyday working class people at that time, people who were poor, had no influence at all, must have sat wherever they sat, outside the temple, maybe even miles away, once the crowds gathered around, and felt so far away from the Holy of Holies, so far away from God, because that's where they believed God dwelled. They must have felt heaven was just beyond their reach. And then Christ came. And the veil is torn. And as Hebrews tells us, we're now all priests. We can all enter the holiest place. We can all commune with Jesus Christ, with God. We can be in his very presence. Just like that. Can you see why heaven is much closer than you think? Much closer so close you can almost touch it. Smell it. Feel it. We're that close. Even though we're still on the journey. It's an amazing place to be. Aren't we a fortunate generation? We really are. Those of us who are born into the new covenant are so, so blessed. So blessed. Not only do we have Jesus Christ, the cleansing of our sins, guarantee of forgiveness and resurrection we are that close to heaven as opposed to those before us isn't that an amazing place to be again do away with the soapy shoulders you're a citizen of heaven and on top of that you're that close to it you're within touching distance of it when you walk out of here today if that doesn't inspire you nothing will nothing will heaven is that close I find it amazing really, really do. Heaven is that close. We're not far from heaven. Think about it. We're not far from the angels. We're not far from our loved ones in heaven. We're not far from God. We're not far from Jesus himself. And it's a real place. And right now, we're right there. And the wonderful, wonderful thing for those of us who have Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we get there, nothing's going to stop us from going in. But I'm going to have to say it if you don't know Jesus Christ you need to think hard this morning you need to think hard because the Bible is very clear we'll come to that again something I've struggled with but I'll share it with you in a moment you still with me? You still with me? good if you get bored just tell me if you're worried about actually telling me just fall asleep and I'll soon know alright? you're fine ok just tell me I want to just touch on a couple of other things this morning. Things I think, hope you're going to enjoy, actually. I'm not going to spend too long on each one, because uh, time is limited, but I want to just touch on some of the things that people often think about heaven. And I don't believe because you're a Christian, 
that you don't sometimes think these things. They're nothing horrible about them. They're just sort of standard everyday things that people think. And the first one is, what is heaven like? What's it like? Well, the first thing I've got to say is, the Bible doesn't really give us a great deal of information. As much as you search through it, there are various metaphors, there are various signs, there are a few phrases that you think that might give us a picture, but it's a bit blurry, really, in terms of exactness or clarity. So what is it like? Well, here's some facts. The main ones I can give you. I've said some of these already, so I won't dwell on them. It is God's dwelling place. I'll put the scriptures there so you can see where this has come from. It's where Christ is today. Remember, there was a time when he wasn't in heaven, but when he rose again, that's where he went back to. It's where Christians go when they die. And once again, for this morning, I've been very clear, it's where Christians go where they die. It's the Father's house, which goes back to dwelling, but it's more than that. Not just a dwelling place where somebody wanders around. I actually wanted to put it in there, it's the Father's home. It's where God exists in that place with all of those who have passed through this world on to the next. He exists there with us. It's the house, it's our home. A city designed and built by God because it's more than just a house. If you look in Revelations, it talks about the streets being teeming with people. So it's a city as well. The city of Zion. A better country, Hebrews tells us that. And Luke talks about it being paradise when he talks about Jesus and and the thief on the cross. Tomorrow or today you will be with me in paradise. So it is a paradise, however we might define that. So those are some of the known things. And one of the things I feel strongly, and I've alluded to already, as Christians, while we deal with the supernatural, in fact, we operate day by day in a supernatural world. Do you agree? A lot of people don't in the Christian faith still. We still don't recognise the supernatural element. We live in a supernatural domain. And we are fighting the forces of the supernatural, those that are bad, alongside those that are good. Yeah? So here we are in this domain. Here we are in this domain. But one day we are going to be in paradise. One day we're going to be in paradise. Marvellous thought. Let me share a couple of other things with you. There's some wonderful description in, uh, in Revelation where it talks about the streets being paved with gold. Yeah? I find that really interesting. You know, your, your mind starts to wander. And I was talking to somebody a long time ago and they said, well, I said, look at this passage. The streets are paved with gold. I said, yeah, can, here we go again. And can you imagine what the buildings would be like? And can you imagine what the food would be like? And, can, and I went, oh, do we have to keep playing this game? I want to deal with the reality. The streets are paved with gold. Somebody told me a funny story once about a man who um, was close to the poem of dying and he was praying. And he said to the Lord, you know, Lord, he said, um, I know I'm going to be with you, but... Uh, I've had a, a pretty profitable life and a busy life and uh, you know I've had a lot of gain in my life and there are one or two things I'd like to bring with me. And the Lord said, well, you know, that's not really the game. You know that. We, well, I, can't, I can't allow that. Well, I really would like to. He said, just a couple of bags of things. And the Lord said, well, I'll tell you what, one bag. So he fills this bag. When the time comes, he passes away and he gets to the gates and St. Peter's there. Peter said, whoa, 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 whoa. Where are you going? 
I'm going inside. Well, you can't. You can't take that with you. You know what it says? You can't take it with you. He said, no, but I've got special permission to bring one bag. Have you? So he checks on it. He said, well, yeah, it seems you're right. He said, hold on now, before you go in there, let me have a look at that bag. And he opens the bag up, and inside it are big ingots of gold. Why did you want to bring paving stones, you went? <laughs> now you listen to that and you think, what a story. But do you know there's something very profound in that? And it's this. The streets are paved with gold. The streets are paved with gold. In other words, the very surface that we're going to walk on, and soil maybe as we walk, that's going to get worn and torn. Well, it won't in heaven because everything will stay perfect. But the surface we're going to walk on is paved with the thing that down here most people hold in the highest regard. It just shows you the worth of things in this world compared to heaven. Doesn't it? It shows you the worth. We have a gold ingot which we lock in a very safe place and treasure and probably if we were that sort of person go in there every now and again and have a look at it and rub our hands together and think, how can I get the next one? And what God does is he paves the road with them like we do with gravel and brick. Amazing, isn't it? That says that heaven's like. It says so much about heaven. What is it like? It's a wonderful place beyond our imagination. Let's not try and imagine it. Let's just take for granted these things. This is what the Bible tells us about it and we know the streets are paved with gold. Beyond that, it's a mystery. And I love mysteries. I want to get there and be wowed. But the thing that's going to wow me the most is the moment I see Jesus. That's what's going to wow me. And you know, this is the interesting thing when people wonder or worry or whatever it is about what heaven is going to be like. It actually shouldn't even matter. Because when you see Jesus, you're not going to want to look anywhere else. And the same thing applies to today if you don't know Jesus. Once you've seen Jesus, you don't want to look anywhere else. Once you see Jesus, you don't want to look anywhere else. And then, of course, there's that wonderful question, who is in heaven right now? Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Well, we know full well that God's there. Jesus is there. The angels are there. I love the fact it talks about myriads of angels. love that word, myriad. I used to say it sometimes aloud and didn't have a clue what it meant. But it sounded nice. Myriads of angels we're going to come across when we get to heaven. Talks about the saints of God who died on this earth or are in heaven. And there are contentious issues sometimes which we as Christians have to deal with with those who are non Christians and indeed our own brothers and sisters when we actually think about who are we going to encounter in heaven. And that's a contentious issue, I know. It's a difficult issue. But apart from the true believers, I do also believe we will find all the children there. I believe that. Sorry if you don't agree with me. No, we can have a discussion about it. But that is my personal belief. And we will find those people who, have, who do not have the capacity to make sense of the gospel and to make sense of Jesus Christ for whatever reason it is. I believe we will find them. Why do I believe that? Because I believe our God is merciful. He's an understanding God. He's a loving God. And he created us and he understands where we are. And in that he has mercy. 
If you don't share that view with me, that's great. We can agree to differ. But that's what I do. And I think I've got to be true to myself. So I believe those children will be there and those people who do not have the capacity or capability to understand. But I don't want to be ambiguous about it. The one thing I can actually say is this, and this is the bit I've struggled with for some time now, is that to be in heaven, you have to give your life to the Lord. It's through Jesus Christ that we come into paradise. Through his grace. And that's important. Not all the stuff that we do, but his grace. Purely and simple that, that we go to heaven. I hope you share that view with me because God's grace, as I preached about when I was here last time, is so powerful. But I do believe this, and as I said, it's an issue I've struggled with, that you have to come to the Lord to give your heart, to give your life to Jesus Christ, to become a follower of Christ, to be a citizen of heaven. Sorry if that doesn't sit comfortably with you, but we might as well not beat around the bush. Now why I find that difficult is this, and I have had big debates with people, and I've had um, quite hefty uh, debates in a house group about this, and, um, and struggled with it from time uh, after time, is um, the fact that I actually wish God had changed his mind. I'm sorry if that offends you. I don't mean it to offend anybody. I know what the Bible says, and I believe that. But I sort of sit there sometimes and I look at my son-in-law who doesn't know the Lord, and I think, oh, change your mind. Let him come. Let him come. Look at my next-door neighbor, Ian, who I really like so much, and he's a great guy. I think, let him come as well, Lord. God, there must be some room for him. But the Bible tells us very clearly, doesn't it? tells us very clearly that the door to heaven is open. Knock, and the door will be opened. But the Bible tells us clearly that through the grace of Jesus Christ and the following of Jesus Christ that we are citizens of heaven. So if you don't know Christ today, another big thought for you. Another big issue to deal with as you search search. Who's in heaven right now? Those of us who've said yes to Jesus. Now here's an interesting one. My um, daughter asked me, she said, do you think when we get to heaven we'll know each other? I actually do. Believe that. Whether the relationship will be different, I don't know enough. But I know that we will know each other. I'll tell you one of the things that made me realise that was something I was reading again recently, which was the uh, transfiguration on the mount. Yeah? When you think of that. When you go back there and, um, and you start to think about what actually happened there, um, and when uh, Peter, James and John recognises Moses and Elijah. And Moses and Elijah were dead. Now, what you'd have seen if you'd have dug their bodies up, you know, when someone's dead, but what they saw was Moses and Elijah and they recognized Moses and Elijah. They were still Moses and Elijah. And there's something in that which again is quite interesting. They didn't become somebody totally different. They were Moses and Elijah. So I actually think that when we get to heaven that we will know each other. We might not call each other by those names but they did we'll recognise that personality the soul, the essence of who we are but it will be perfection not the flawed ones Teresa could turn around and say oh yeah, she said I recognise Chris's personality I can tell you about his personality warts and all 
But the day will come in heaven when you look and say, oh, there's Chris. I know Chris. But he's different. He's not the Chris I used to know. He's actually a better Chris. Yeah? So there's hope. <laughs> there's hope. You know, some of this may sound frivolous, but it's serious business. It's God's business. We will know one another when we get there. Something which is really quite profound. Let me just share it with you. In Corinthians verse 12, or chapter 13, verse 12, it says, Now we see but a poor reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. That defines heaven for me. When you and I meet in heaven, it'll be different than when we met on earth. And what you'll see is the completeness of God's creation. The completeness. There's hope. And there's a completeness. And when I am that citizen in heaven, I will be made new. I will be the creation that God intended me to be. So no more sloping shoulders. When you leave, walk out of here feeling good about yourself, knowing that the future is bright, that there is this hope, this everlasting hope in heaven. In heaven. Now, final bit I want to just mention to you is, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? Yeah. yeah you got a lot of people do still think, well, I will just be um, lazing around. Life will be good. I'll be on that golf course. You know? I'll be playing if I'm a worship leader in the best worship band in town. Yeah? Excellent stuff. You and Tim Hughes up there together, mate. You know? How cool is that? Matt Redmond? Yeah. They've been waiting for you. Well, they aren't there yet, but you know, there's all these others up there waiting for you. You know? There's something about who we are that will remain. God created us in a certain way to be the individual that we are. Through his grace, we develop into that individual he created us to be. I don't believe for a moment that's all going to disappear when we get to heaven. And here's the scripture that makes me think that. Just come back over here. Do you remember the story about Jesus and the man of noble birth who gave his servants money to invest? Yeah. One servant had doubled his money, so the man said, you will rule over ten cities. The next servant had seen a 50% increase, so his master said, rule over five. And the man who hid his money had even that amount taken from him in punishment. In Luke uh, chapter 19. This story is a picture of heaven, will be like. We'll use our gifts that we're given to work for God, to do for God. So in a nutshell, it's like this. When we get to heaven, we will help God manage the universe. All the angels up there at the moment who are working for him, doing his bidding, we'll be where with them. And we'll be doing his bidding. Yes, we will be worshipping. We'll be having the biggest party you can even think of. Any party that you've been to down here which has been good, it's nothing compared with what you're going to experience up there. The worship, I'm sorry to say, is going to be magnificent. But you're going to be there one day. Part of it, which is cool. I wonder if the preachers will still be preaching. You might think, oh, I hope not. (laughs) Or if they do, maybe they'll preach a little bit less than they're doing at the moment. But the fact of the matter is, we have been given in our very creation of our soul and who we are. Gifts. We're unique. 
And when we get to heaven, we will be serving God. We will be part of God's army managing the universe, managing that wonderful place, working for God. We won't get tired. You know? Very cool. It's really good, isn't it? For those of you who've retired and are thinking, I'm not sure I should have done, rest assured, the time's going to come when you're going to come out of retirement. <laughs> you know? You're going to come out. Isn't the future bright? Isn't it wonderful? Five things that will occupy us in heaven. We will worship without distraction. So you'd be glad of that. Yeah? Serve without exhaustion. Some of you would be glad of that. Yeah? We're going to have fellowship without fear. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. We're going to learn without fatigue. I can see some of you are beginning to look a little bit fatigued. Okay? And we are going to, this is the amazing bit, I love this. We're going to rest without boredom. Isn't that great? Yeah? Well, I mean, can you imagine, do you ever have those times when you think, I want to sit down, and you start to doze off in the chair, but it's a restless sleep, and you wake up, and then, or even when you go to bed at night, it's like that, or when you go on holiday, you want to rest, but as you come home, feel more tired than when you went. Yeah? That won't happen in, in heaven. When we rest, we will rest. Yeah? And we will, when we get up again, just be full, full of energy for God amazing. If I haven't painted a great picture of heaven now, I don't know what else I can do, friends. I really don't. It's a great place. What are we going to do in heaven? Yet the best part still has to be, we're going to see Jesus face to face. Yeah, we're going to see Jesus face to face. Jesus face to face. Now here comes the crunch. I'm afraid to say that every sermon which has all these wonderful elements, these elements of encouragement, these elements of uh, joy, of euphoria, of expectation. There's always the serious bit, isn't there? And it's this. First off, there's a wonderful truth that God has made it easy for you to go to heaven. You know that? He's actually made it easy for you. He did the hard part when he sent Jesus to die for us. He's done all the hard work. Our job is easy. We might think this is hard being Christians, and it is at times in human terms. But it's easy when you think where we're going next. But he did say this, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the door, if anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. I said earlier on, I struggle with this sometimes. I just want everybody to be saved. Good and bad alike. It, it, it does break my heart sometimes to think that people will not be. And let's not dwell on that for now. But let's actually, as we should do, go by what the Scriptures tell us. Let's start with that as a truth. And I have to say this without trying to make anybody despondent. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, then heaven is out of your reach at this moment if you're on that edge or you're thinking well I'm here this morning so I am interested there is something there I know it is but I'm not quite sure this morning may be the time for you to take that step over the threshold and give your life to Jesus Christ not just because of heaven but for the rest of your life from today onwards as well 
is the citizenship that you were born into. But when it's offered to you through Jesus Christ, you have to grasp it. Or you can lose it. And that would be a tragedy. One of our most beloved hymns puts it this way, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. This morning may be the morning when you've got to take that step forward, jump out of the sand and get on the solid rock. Don't waste a moment. It's not going to be easy, it's a tough life, but it is an abundant life. And the future, that of heaven with Jesus Christ for eternity, is something to be grasped and taken when it's offered to you as a gift that is offered to us. That says it all, really. If you want to go to heaven, you've got to base your hope on the solid rock, on Jesus Christ. Are you standing on the rock this morning? I hope that most of you are, but it may be that some of you aren't. And if you're not, now's the time to take that leap of faith. Get yourself on the rock. That's where I am. But not because anything great about me or good about me, but purely and simply because of the grace of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we have spent some time with you this morning.